Welcome to episode 26 of British Ultra Running Podcast with your co-host James Elson and Dan Lawson. Dan Lawson. Let's try again. We're having poor internet receptions this morning, so if it breaks up, sounds crackly or whatever, it's um, saving you from having to listen to our voices, so you're welcome. How are you, Dan? I'm very good, thanks, mate. Yeah. yeah. You just We just had to... Uh, Scrap that. That was gold, wasn't it? Us talking about nicknames, yeah? It was 47 seconds of the podcast gold. I, I like Jolly Jolly James Elson. <laughs> what an appropriate <laughs> nickname for somebody else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tell us, Dan, what's been happening in your world? Oh, my gosh. I, I had a wonderful weekend last weekend, yeah. Doing something, actually, I've, I've, I've never done before, yeah. I... I I was crewing you, wasn't I, James, on the Ridgeway? You've the trail never crewed running. anyone before. Uh, that was your first time crewing. That was, yeah, that was my first time crewing. Yeah, I've I've jumped in before and like helped out. I think at twenty-four hour races, twelve-hour races, but that's the first time I've ever kind of had to follow, like follow a race. Jeez, man, it's hard work, isn't it? Eh? It's stressful, it's just- isn't it? It's stressful, yeah. It is stressful, yeah. You think you've got loads. You just think you'd have loads of time, but like it's it's really hard to keep up to keep up with you and to get to places because you just don't want to. You don't want to miss you, do you? You want to get there in in time, and it's just yeah. The first few checkpoints were real stressful because my, the postcodes were just I don't know, they were just random numbers. I don't think they related to anything. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was quite hard. It, it really was quite hard. The first few ones, I'm sure, I don't know how everyone else seemed to be managing to get there, but I was like parked in ridiculous places and I was having to run up the trail. And um, But it was, yeah, it was exciting. I, I did enjoy it, yeah. I've n- I had no idea that was your first time. I suppose Charlotte does the majority of the crewing, but imagine it was that stressful for you with me running not very fast in comparison to you. Imagine what it's like crewing you. It's horrendous. No, I'm sure. Yeah, but then I'm I'm sure the person crewing me has got their head screwed on a little bit uh, more than I did. I'm not very good at those sat nav things. I'm, I I can't I can't really follow it on the on the sat nav. But um, but yeah, it was a great experience. I I proper enjoyed it. It was nice. I like that kind of crew, not crew family. Is that what you call it? But you get stuck with um, the kind of the same people that are crewing the runners who are who are around you, and it's quite it's quite nice, isn't it? It's quite it's quite a lot of banter. It's uh, it's good fun. Yeah, it is good fun, and you get to kind of watch the race unfold, don't you? A little bit because you see similar people coming through each checkpoint, and um, you know the gaps closing or widening depending on where you yes. are. Um, yeah, it was it was a hot day, wasn't it? It was quite a warm one, and it definitely affected me. I think it affected most people. Um, oh, it affected everyone. Yeah, you saw. I mean, it was interesting seeing. Yeah, because you, I get to see every runner that came through. Basically, I'm mean, not everyone, but everyone in the top half, and that, and everyone was just complaining about the about the heat and how they were feeling dizzy and how they couldn't get enough liquid on and they mm. couldn't they couldn't eat because they, they felt too sick and mm. it's amazing how um it's the one element that really it really smashes <coughs> sorry anyone's plan in, in an ultra doesn't it it really affects people the heat it's yeah. crazy and, and i hate to um bring that up as like the first thing we talk about but um it definitely had a big impact on my day and it was strange because i haven't had a problem running in the heat for a long time i haven't done hot races for a long time um but yeah my goodness it was it was an extra challenge um so the race was the ridgeway i think it's called the ridgeway 86 now it seems to have changed yes. the name so yeah um, the TRA 86 or something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. organised by uh, Tim Mitchell and the Trail Running Association. It's just the length of the Ridgeway and a one And um, Dan Alien Lawson has the course record of 12.07 and went round to registration telling everybody how uh, my <laughs> no, name no, was sub-12. 
It just I kept saying sub that, twelve, sub twelve. No, 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 no. That before the race, before the race, I was winding you up, wasn't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was. I was calling it Project Twelve. So, <laughs> like talking about you going under sub twelve hours. Yeah, but just on a, it was just between me and you. And then when we turned up at the registration, <laughs> that's when that the race director, it's Tim, isn't it, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, Tim. Asked, asked to see you and I had a little chat with you about um, oh, we're going to get you running as light as possible and yeah we're, we're fully behind you do you want us to open the checkpoints a little bit he, he asked you that didn't he, <laughs> <Yeah>. he, <laughs> said, he don't worry don't worry if you're ahead of schedule early. yeah if the checkpoints aren't open there'll still be someone there from Raynet to take your time and I was just like <laughs> Tim I don't know what you've heard but <laughs> That isn't going to happen. And then the two ladies who were giving the bib numbers out were like, they'd had a bet on me breaking 12 hours between each themselves. <laughs> I was like, what? Is he, have you called ahead to expand this gag beyond <laughs> me and <laughs> it you? Was just, to... uh, that, it was a gag between me and you. And I did actually feel quite sorry for you <laughs> when uh, when we turned up and everyone was talking about this sub-12 because oh it just... I don't know. It, uh, I don't know how it made you feel, but it must have put a little, I don't know, a little bit of added. Did it put any pressure on you or not? Or was it no, just... Uh, it didn't because, I, I mean, I don't, again, I don't want to like sandbag it. Like I said with the West Island Way Race before, I really had not done the appropriate training. And I've, I say that with an element of sort of, um, you know, gritted teeth because I don't want you to feel like I didn't try in training and like that you were just there for making it less miserable for me but that's effectively <laughs> what was happening i didn't I, I wanted to do races this year where um i dnf them a long time ago i dnf this race in in 2007 um and haven't really had a good chance to go back since because um well loads of different reasons but this this was really about just going back and finishing an outstanding failure and it was the same with the West Highland Way race. And I knew this year I couldn't get the big mileage in that I needed to perform really well at these races, or at least to the best of my ability. So I knew coming in that it was really a case of just trying to have a strong day like I did at West Highland Way race. I thought I could run about 14, which is a bit cocky, honestly, considering the mileage I did in training. But um, given the way the West Highland Way went... What sort of mileage were you doing in training? I think I, I spoke to you I before 20 miles the Wendover race, and you yeah. told me you were on about three miles a week or something. Yeah, well, West Highland Way race, I think, was about eight weeks ago, maybe nine weeks, and I averaged 20, 21 miles a week between then and this. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is a fifth of what I would usually be trying to aim for. Um, I'm not saying 100 miles a week is always the, uh, you know the the guiding light but if i'm training for a big race i'm normally you know 80 to 100 this t you know yeah i just i think my long my longest long run was the weekend before where i paced um tremaine cowdery's bob graham third leg mm -hmm. um the previous saturday um we were out for about six and a half hours um but of course it's only about 15 miles so i i had no basis for expectations but um, Do you think when you've done the amount of races you've done and you've, you've, I mean, I don't know how many ultras, it must be, what, 50 plus now, maybe, maybe more. Yeah. Do you think you need to be running a hundred miles a week or do you think your legs have just got that, that memory of, of like pain and kind of endurance that you can get away with running 20 odd miles a week and still, and still run the, uh, ultras? It's something I've asked myself because, um, I honestly, I notice, um, you know, when I put training blocks together, I notice a few things appearing over the last sort of five. I really stepped it up maybe in 2014, 2013, 2014 and started, you know, I had my best season 2015, 2016. Um, and I would notice that after two or three weeks of training, I was running at about 92 to 95% of my best. So literally, you know, after three weeks, I was in really good shape. So I could bounce back really quickly from stuff. But the problem with running 20 miles a week is you're missing endurance, right? It's always in there. You've got this aerobic engine that's ready to be accessed and your legs are pretty strong um, just from 
you know, from years of training. But you're missing, A, some top-end speed. So your perceived effort is much higher. And in the heat, that really bothered me. Like I was, in the middle of that morning, I was running 11-minute mile pace, you know, alternating running and walking and working quite hard to achieve that number. Um, whereas, in, in you know, if I put a proper block together, I would be comfortably running eight-minute mile pace on that terrain, I'm sure, um, which may have translated to, like, nine-minute pace in that heat. I don't know. So the answer is, yes, I. it turns out I can just run long ultras off almost no training because I've got a lot of, uh, you know, aerobic endurance. But, yeah, if I, unless I'm running significantly higher volume um, with an element of speed work in there, I'm, I'm just not going to find that last 5 to 8%. That's the difference. Um, yeah. So... It's been an interesting exercise. Now I've got the opportunity to put a full block together for Desert Solstice in December. I'm intending to put a full 14-week training block together and focus back again on the mileage because I've got the time to do it. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, anyway, it's all a bit dull, I suppose. But I've always told people that you need to train consistently. You shouldn't jump into long races off no training and what have you. But you... You can do it. I mean, you can. I think do you it. can do it. Yeah. You have yeah. to accept that it's going to be painful. But then you're just leaning not just on that one experience, but on lots of years of mental preparation experience. That you know, if you're being sick at mile thirty, that isn't the end of your day. You just have to oh, slow okay. down and start eating and drinking again. And I had the best miles of my race between thirty-five and fifty, when literally an hour before that, I was throwing up and feeling like um, I couldn't run a step. You, it, your race wasn't. I mean, you're talking about like it was a complete and utter disaster. But it was, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. No, it went pretty well. I think you, you were quite, um, you were quite sensible in that heat at the at the start of the race, and you like paced mm. yourself quite well. And then you really started to move up, move up that field. Yeah, and that must have been what you're saying from what miles, what just after the first marathon to about mile 50 or 60 you know you were you were running you were running well yeah yeah i saw you at the marathon mark there was a checkpoint and i was feeling pretty rough and then i threw up about three miles after that um and then when i got to swinkham church which is one of our checkpoints that we use um for a couple of our events actually i i, I knew there was a tap in the graveyard and i just lay under the tap and just got my core temperature down and that made all the difference. So I was able to run really strong to Nuffield Church. I saw you there. It's about 34 miles. Yeah. And then I had my best section to Goring. And having been, I don't know what position I was early on, but I was way down the field. I think well, I, the position you were in, you were in too low a position for me. I was counting and then I lost count. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think I, by the time I got to Goring at halfway, I was in fifth and then left there in fourth possibly no you left i think you left going in third yeah and i felt really good yeah, uh, yeah you you had a really strong section i think <clears throat> after that first marathon i know i was chatting to robbie on on whatsapp <laughs> we were me and robbie were being a bit just a bit of banter being a bit harsh robbie <laughs> was saying no, i should i should tell you that i'm gonna i'm not gonna drive to the next checkpoint i'm just gonna push the van and I'll, I'll go alongside you pushing the van or something to the next one. <laughs> we can chat. You reckoned you were going that slow that I could probably achieve that. But then, but then, yeah, coming into Gore and you were, you were looking really good, man. Really, really fresh. And, yeah, and, and I felt like uh, I could hunt people down at that point. I mean, I don't want to make yeah. it out into some like really aggressive racing tactic. I, I didn't care about my time or necessarily my position at that point. Still, um, you thrust a Calippo into my hand, and it, it was amazing. And then um, I sort of chased and ran with Rob Barnes, um, who was in third all the way to Berry Down. Um, and then the reason I think I'm a bit disappointed is because we got within sight of the two ahead of us, literally, you know, probably within 500 metres of them. And if if I'd felt a bit stronger, I could probably have pushed on at that point. And instead, I went flying backwards again, um, unable to really get any calories in and then started being sick again in, in the latter yeah. stages. That's really unusual for me. I don't really get sickness. And it went from gels and and um, 
and uh, water to just Morton to then just Coke and then to just water. (laughs) (laughs) I think that the second to last checkpoint, which is probably what, 20 miles, 16 miles or something. Yep. When I saw you, you definitely had a different look in your eyes. You were—I didn't like to—I didn't want to say it, but you—you didn't—you didn't look well. Yeah. That section <laughs> your, was the worst you, in the race. Yeah. Yeah. Your face is like a bit more ashen. You had a. Do you know what I mean, your eyes were just—I don't know—they weren't as sparkly. Do you know what I mean? And it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think by that time you just given up, which is unlike you, because I think you're usually pretty good with your. Um, with your fueling and stuff, but you'd, you'd had enough of that Morton. You'd had enough of your gels. <laughs> I think I handed you a bottle of that Morton. You're like, I don't, I don't want that shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to come straight back out again if I drank that. I think you, when you're when you're in the lead at that point, I think you're able to find a different level. I think psychologically, you're just able to to find. I don't know. I feel like I can find a different po- a level at that point. What I overtook Paul Beachy, unfortunately, had dropped back and was walking, so I'd gone past him. But then Justin and um, Justin Montague uh, and someone else had come past yeah. me at a, a, a right pace. I mean, at a pace that I wasn't going to be able to hang on to, um, and and I kind of just thought, well, that's that, and that's fine. Um, and then it was really about just sort of finishing. Of course, I didn't want anyone else to pass me, but um, it didn't really matter. And time was so far outside of what I would have hoped for that it was, again, irrelevant. <laughs> then you're in that, you know, counting miles down mode. And it was just... Mm-hmm. But it was a lovely, lovely evening, right? It was great temperature. I was in a T-shirt the whole time. It, it, what else are you complaining about other than that you're at mile 75 with, you know, a bit of sickness? There's nothing else to complain about. And maybe that, maybe, I don't know if you'd agree, like we were just talking about, but maybe that last 16 miles, that's where your lack of kind of longer miles in in your build-up, maybe that's where you notice it more. I don't know. When I'm doing long miles... Or, or bigger volume, it, I always feel, I just always feel confident around that last yep. um, bit of a race that I've got, I've, I've just got the endurance, I've got the stamina. Uh, to, Interestingly, to when, when you come through on the Ridgeway, you reach Goring at mile 43 and you've got 43 miles left um, and you're running uh, the exact same route as the Autumn 100 where you'd leave um, Goring at mile 50 and head out to to chain hill it's exactly at that point the same 12 and a half miles out on the ridgeway where our race turns around and comes back and the ridgeway just continues on um the pace that i achieved in the autumn 100 when i ran it a few years ago was uh, about 90 seconds a mile quicker over that section than i ran it on saturday when i was having the strongest section of my race so i was absolutely miles off where I have been in the past at a similar point in in a long race on that stretch, um, and that was when I was having a good patch. Th- at the end, I think my average mile pace was sort of twelves to thirteens. It was chronic, mm-hmm. really. Um, but yeah, we did what, finish. We got to the end, didn't we? It was. We did, and you. I think that last bit. Uh, so the the last checkpoint. I think you'd slow down. Like you say you'd slow down your your minutes per mile. Were, um, window, basically. Yeah, it, a lot slower than they have been but oh man it was so good because it was probably the only checkpoint I had that I was really like waiting for you you know that I was sitting down I was and the two chaps that were running that checkpoint were just absolute comedy gold they were they were oh, for like an hour or so they were just they just had me in hysterics they were brilliant they were like a they were like two sort of 65 70 year old chaps who who were just the most unlikely ultra runners you could ever imagine. They were like a, I don't know, they were like a 1980s comedy act or something, and they they were just brilliant. Yeah, I, I want I'd want to meet them again. I want to go out for a for a run with them. They'd been all over the world and run all over the world, but you just wouldn't. Yeah, you just wouldn't pick them out as runners at all. It was it was fantastic. I had a great I had a great time with them. Waiting for you to come in, but your second Calippo got a little bit a little melted quite a little, quite a lot. 
Yeah, and I came in there and said, I need the loo. And you were like, what, why? And I was like, um, I need a shit. And that, <laughs> <laughs> have you got a toilet here? And they're like, um, yeah, but it's been destroyed. And I was like, what, what, <laughs> what was it like? I never went in there. <laughs> uh, it's like some kids had set fire to it and thrown bog roll all over the place. And then when I finished the race, uh, Paul Beachy was there at the end. And then you told me, I was like, fucking hell, where did you come past me again? And you were like, oh, yeah, he passed you when you were in the toilet. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. And then he goes, no, nah, just kidding. I was like, well, yeah, I, I tried to get him to, he wasn't in on that. I, I, I said, <laughs> pretend you overtook James. You know what I mean, rather than. Yeah, I would, have, it, no, I would have had no clue. He wasn't in on it. <laughs> it's a B. So it's a good day. Uh, well, it wasn't. Day, it wasn't, but it was. Yeah. The one standout thing from the day was was our chap, and I don't know his name. Was was the runner who uh, um, safety pinned his uh, race number to his bare chest um, mm. before the start of the race? That was that was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, when I saw that, I felt a bit ill and was unable to look again. As you you went over with Bink, and you're like, "Excuse me, mate." Have you have you just pinned your bib number to your your chest? <laughs> it was like, yeah. And you're like, you know, you can pin it on your shorts. You don't. <laughs> you don't have to stick it to your skin. And I, I think most people were just sort of like aghast. Um, yeah. I don't know what well, he was thinking because it wasn't well, like he, he had, had the body for it, didn't he? Yeah. But they instantly started swelling up and going red and it looked really kind of uncomfortable. And to start <laughs> a long race in the heat with that I mean imagine you accidentally, you know, dragged your hand down after you'd taken a drink and ripped that off. Oh, well, don't you, you yeah. I mean uh, I've never I've said to a few people, I've never seen that before. I think we've probably seen most things over yeah. the years but that is a new a new one <laughs> um i think he was he looked like a he looked like a bit of an athlete i think he was in the lead wasn't he uh, yeah he first. was he was in the lead and then um just before checkpoint one he passed us and passed me again running really hard because he'd obviously gone off course and then i passed oh, him yeah. just after checkpoint two and he was walking so i presume he stopped um but he did go off hard yeah um congratulations to matthew marr who won the men's race um he seemed to to run pretty strong he was just steady throughout he always looked like one of the most yeah at each checkpoint he just looked in control and he was telling me that's his fourth in a row or something yeah in a row and he's just steadily he passed me on Coombe Hill about mile 11, mile 12. Steady climb. And he was running strong. And his his race vest was absolutely rammed full of gels. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, if he if he can run like that and he's eating what he's got on him, he, this guy's going to have a good race. Because everybody else at that point around me seemed to be struggling with stomach, not eating enough, not eating at all. Um and he obviously had a plan. He, he ate very well, yeah. He ate all his gels, even so that I had to start giving him your gels after uh, the last three checkpoints. Yeah, I think I did check that with you. That was all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Lisa Walbridge won the women's race. Um, she had, a, I think she was, I think she finished about forty minutes behind me. Maybe I don't think anybody else finished between me and her. So she, she was right up the field. Um, and uh, a great win there. So yeah, great weekend. Thank you so it is, much. It's, for it's, your a, help. it's a nice race, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's a beautiful it's race. Nice. Really well organised. Um, the checkpoints were fantastic. Yeah, they were um, the checkpoints are all run by uh, different like local running clubs, aren't yeah, they? So they've yeah. all got a different kind of feel to them. They yeah. they all they all do it a little bit differently. It's um, but there's there's a real Oh, there's there's a there's a real sense of community in each one you go to, yeah. And it then really I is. like the, yeah. there's the, there's the kind of like a CB radio club of like old men who kind of who are kind of there running. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. They're just I don't know what are yeah, they doing. The CB ham radio, <laughs> I suppose. It's talking to each other on radios. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it is old school in many ways. Yeah. But Tim Tim Mitchell has really made a you know because they were struggling for numbers not so long ago, and now it's uh, is attracting a good level of competition and they're selling out. So 
they're, yeah. they're getting it right. Um, mm-hmm. Really conscientious race, and um, they're doing a great job of it. So long may it continue. Since we last spoke, you ran um, you ran the Wendover Woods 50k, didn't you? The night race. I did run your night race, yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. the rat 22 and the rats, mile. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you gave me a four out of ten at Wendover, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> did I? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Why did I give you four out of ten? That seems harsh for finishing second. Um, I don't know, but it definitely didn't. I wasn't in. Um, I I didn't. I felt much much stronger at the at the rat. Uh, race, well, I think at window all... you've already done 15 miles of training in the day well, before you've been quite difficult those ones those nighttime ones yeah because it started at when did it 11 or 12 o'clock at night the, the Wendover yeah and I just find it odd because you it's um you kind of have a normal day so I just I just trained normally in the day and then that did normal things I was at yoga, I was working at rerun, and then you then you kind of make your way up to the race, and and just like you just like I'm getting ready for bed around eleven o'clock, yeah, and you have that kind of slump, don't you? And you're kind of you like you just want to go to bed. Your little setup in your tent and your um your van looked so cozy, yeah. I could have quite easily have just gone to bed <laughs> rather than running fifty k. But um, so I I find them difficult, yeah. Those those midnight starts. Um, so, but I, I really enjoyed the um, the course. Actually, it was uh, it's not not too dissimilar like, to the um, to the rat and being on the southwest coastal path because it's just that short, sharp, up and down. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's just it's fun and. I think we did three. We did three laps of your Wendover course, mm-hmm. and on the third lap, I was a little bit sad because it was. I was enjoying it so much, and it, it just seemed. Yeah, I'm used to running more than fifty k, and it just seemed like it was going to be. It was a bit short. Um, yeah, and I wanted to run around it more. I'd like to have run around in the in the daytime to have have a good look at the the lap. But yeah, I definitely felt stronger at the rap. Um, I can't remember the name of the chap that finished first in the Wendover. Remember Rahil. his name? Rahil. Yeah, he ran really well. Actually, you guys were racing really close in kind of a big pack early on. And um, for spectators, with the woods shut at kind of 8pm, there's absolutely no one around. And if you know the woods well, you can get to the top of most of the climbs within about a two or three minute walk. Um because although it's a 10-mile loop, it basically, you know, goes all over the woods at various places. You can, and we were watching the race unfold, and it was absolutely brilliant spectator sport. You know, we were with a group sort of sat at the top of the climbs watching you guys, you know, really pushing each other. Um, Rahil is a really fast marathoner. Oh, he's amazing, yeah. Uh, he, he I think strong. three quarters of the way into the first lap, he kind of – he that put the hammer down and I never saw him again yeah he yeah. really really and yeah I literally I couldn't uh, there was no way I couldn't respond to his uh, you seem like push. you were missing top gear though you, you you just didn't have that extra I mean obviously it was just a kind of a training run as well like I don't want to take anything away from Rahil but you you obviously just were not quite feeling like it yeah was yeah an and a few weeks later at the rat i felt like i had that yeah i had that top gear so yeah. it was nice i was i was definitely pushing harder at the rat than i was at wendover yeah and um, you won the rat well, that was 20 that miles was, right on the coast path huh that was a 20 miler on the coast path they've got what yeah, 100k yeah, 50k 20 miles well. I, just, I just find it so much so much fun that coast path it's just uh it's just perfect for me. The the hills are not too; they're just not long enough. Um, so you can run every one of the hills, and then you kind of just have that little transition, and you're flying down the other side. And it's just a, mm, uh, mm. it's that most of the time it's a beautiful single, isn't it? And it's uh, it's not too technical. You can really let go down the hills, and it's just yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, every race I've ever done on there, which. I've just had so much fun. Yeah. That's good. And and that's been in preparation for 
ultimately for the 24-hour world champs in Albi at the end of October, but um, also for UTMR, um, which you're doing next week, and you're doing the multi-day version, right? Yeah, I was really lucky. I um, I got invited to um, to go and race uh, at UTMR, yeah, or to Tour Monte Rosa. And initially, they wanted me to go and race the the hundred miler, um, but with the GB team and our race in October, I think they had a rule this year that no one is allowed to run anything over a hundred k from August. I think that was the kind of rule for all of the athletes, and um, so yeah luckily they do this for this they do it in four stages so i'm yeah i'm going to be running it's roughly about yeah it's like a marathon a marathon a day for four days but i've just been i mean i've been oh it's utmb week isn't it so i've been watching like all the utmb races and kind of oh my like the views in the mountains and just watching them hike up these these really steep uh hills or mountains and then i started so i thought oh, i need to really look at what i'm racing i don't usually pay that much attention and just this morning i was looking at the profiles um that i've got to run and it, this this race looks absolutely brutal it's yeah. a huge amount of climb and it's um and descent and it's on rough ground and it's in the high mountains right it's yeah it's a so you're route. quite often most days i'm above uh three thousand yeah, I think three out of the four days, and I'm around like three thousand meters, or I go up to like three thousand four hundred on on one day. I think, yeah. So, but it's just the profiles. Just like most days, you start and you and you're just straight up for like a one thousand four hundred, one thousand six hundred meter climb sort of thing. So, yeah, that I'm really in in one way. I'm really really looking forward to it because it would just be like the views and just being in that environment it's just going to be amazing and watching UTMB is really kind of like it's egging me on and get me really really excited but then on the other way on the other side man this is way out of my comfort zone you've done you've done UTMB you've done you know some of the Chinese races you've done have had huge elevation profiles too it's not as if you yeah, okay, it's not what you're used to training on. It's probably not your strongest, you know, point. But you know that you can you can still race well over that stuff. Um, my only yeah, concern for you is I you always, having to run downhill. The, the uphill yeah, and the flat. I always back my, yeah, back my endurance. Yeah, I'm quite happy about that. But, yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the downhill that... Uh, I'm not so good on and that and those those ups are just so they're so up if that makes sense and then everyone's where everyone's got these poles I've never run with poles I'm not going to run with poles and uh I don't know whether I should be or not so you do you run with poles or not when you go up uh it depends I mean I've used them I use them at UTMB I used to use them in the desert races because there's a lot of hiking through thick sand and then I've used them at um, some mountain stuff since and they have a place but if you can't get purchased with poles and you don't know how to use them and your technique is poor that they're, they're just a drain on energy and the inefficiency doesn't trade off against um, mm. the saving so it's something that you either use and have trained with uh, or, or don't but when you see someone who knows how to use poles, you know, they are just monsters with them. They are getting yes. so much extra forward propulsion, um, particularly on the climbs, um, that you can totally see how they're a massive help. Uh, you'll be fine without them, you know. Oh, yeah, I will, yeah. I, I, I just can't work out how to, how to run it because, right, it's only 40K, yeah? So you, I should be trying to... I don't know, hammer it a little bit, shouldn't I? Yeah, but then I think the the biggest problem for you is accepting. You got to accept that you're not going to run every climb, and I know firsthand that if you're walking, you sort of your head isn't in a good place. Then right, so you need to kind of. I just get my head's not in a good. No, I don't mind walking. I'm just really slow at it. (laughs) So sometimes I'm better running and like expending more energy so you know those people who are really good hikers 
So they'll be hiking, but I'll be running at the same speed alongside them. Yeah. But sometimes, sometimes it's just better for me to do that because I then, you know, like when you hit those slightly flatter bits, then you're still running and you carry on running. So what I'm really bad at is once I start walking, I'll just carry on walking. And I get when I get to the flatter bits or the bits that aren't a, as big a gradient, when I should be starting to jog again, I'll just carry on walking. Mm. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe I'll try and run as much as I can, but then yeah, looking at those profiles, that might be, <laughs> that might be quite tricky. Yeah. So if you're running that race in a one and you're doing a full UTMR, I think the key to success is, um, making your perceived effort consistent across the whole race, right? So whether you're climbing, you're descending or you're running on the flat, if you're running at the same, the same effort level, you know, you're not working too hard for too long at any one time, then it's sustainable. The challenge you've got is that you've got recovery between each day. So technically yeah. you could be working substantially harder for a long period of each day and still be okay to race again the next day. And that is the difficulty. You're you're almost, yeah, sort of a different sport than multi-day because of that. Um, yeah. I don't envy you the challenge because it's, it's kind of, it's harder in many ways than just setting out for the long one because you know at the long one you've just got to take it easy whereas you've got to gamble a bit i think with this if you yeah, want to I think you need to gamble well. i think you need to hammer it a little bit a little bit more don't you yeah, yeah. how many people are doing the multi-day version no idea yeah. right, quite I, I, absolutely not i did look at the start list the the names seem to go on for quite a while but i'm absolutely no idea <laughs> uh It'd be interesting to see if there's like a deep level of competition there because I'd imagine, with respect to the multi-day, I'd I'd imagine that the the top uh, runners are going to be shooting for the single stage. That's the kind of championship event, right? I think Um, so. I think it's, um, I mean, it's Lizzie's race, isn't it? And uh, Richard Ball, and they they both spend a lot of time out in the pool. So I think in the the stage one that I'm running, there's there's three or four, Nepalese runners that come over to run uh to run this one some of the elite Nepalese runners so that that will be really interesting to watch them kind of move through the mountains uh what's your training been like in the lead up to this are you you doing big weeks now because you've got the 24s coming up and stuff yeah I'm not doing um I'm not doing too much more I'm I mean big weeks not as big as I've ever I've done before I'm on about 100 maybe like 125 miles a week um um robbie's been helping me out with my uh training a little bit and he's just like this morning i've just gone and done like a i've been doing more hill sessions like uh kind of hard up and hard down hill sessions um but i think yeah like i haven't specifically trained for for this race because this race is I don't know, it kind of just drops in there as a, I suppose, like another training race. It's just like a, it's like a big week for me before the, um, the 24 hour race in October. So yeah, I haven't specifically trained for it at all. So those quads might well, uh, start hurting quite soon. Maybe after that first, uh, descent. Yeah, they might, but you know, again, it's good conditioning. If you can control it at this and recover quite quickly, then it should be a big training boost um, before your big weeks for the 24. I think that's, that's. I know it's not your sort of the highest mileage you've ever hit, but that is still a, a load of miles. Um, you're averaging about 100 miles a week more than me, which is isn't bad, I suppose. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it feels it's like my um, norm. It feels good to be running. Yeah, you're just much. in a consistent you know, pattern. Just, yeah. It just feels right for me to run to run that much a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what else is happening then? I mean, obviously, we don't have a guest this week because we've just been sh- rubbish at. Uh, well, guest, our guest this week is James Elson, isn't it? Yeah, fifth yes. place, fifth place at the Ridgeway eighty six Ultra, second second V thirty five. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the one thing I didn't want to talk to you about and ask you about is um, Zach Bitter's 100-mile world record last weekend, 
on the yeah. track at six days in the dome. What do you make of that? As somebody that's run, I don't know what your best hundred mile is, but you, you know, you, as someone who who realistically could have a shot at running, you know, super fast hundreds on a track. What do you make of that time and uh, do you know what the most mind-blowing thing i think about that and correct me I, I think i've got this right is um he he ran that time which is just it, it's unbelievable that time isn't it he's, he's hammering it for for that long and again like round and round on the track which mentally is so so hard but he got to his 100 miles and then he carried on, didn't he? He did. Because he wanted to get a 12-hour time. And for me, that's the thing that is just just absolutely – that blows my mind. Because yeah. to put in that, that amount of effort to get that 100-mile uh, record and then to carry on and not to – do you know what I mean? Not to stop and just like – you know, relax and yeah, to go to then go for the for the twelve hour uh, distance is just that is just crazy. You're me. right yeah. because at the end of a race where you're working at your absolute limit for that long, to have the mental drive to then flip over from eking every ounce out of your body for that distance and to to then still be able to put another five miles away is. It's oh, obscene. I said he was insane. Is that his his he negative split the race? He ran five forty for the first fifty and five thirty eight for the second. Um, now I've seen Zach race numerous times. I've been I've, I've been lucky enough to share the track with him a few times, and he's been trying for this record for six or seven years. The thing I I didn't think he could get there. I thought there was a, he was going to burn out trying and. Um, having watched him sort of fade um, at the 100 miler and collapse on the track one year at Desert Solstice and then attempt the 24-hour last year, I thought he'd sort of given up almost. And then the the perseverance and the longevity to keep going in training and to do what you need to do in training to put that in is absolutely mm -hmm. unbelievable. Nobody deserves that record more than Zach Bitter because he has invested you know, his whole running career basically into that. And sure, he's had great results on the trail as well, but that is just, um, you know, yeah. one for the ages. I wonder if now, though, we'll see a slew of people having a go at that and thinking, you know, can can they get there? Can they run you know, closer to 11 hours? What do you reckon you could do 100 miles on the track? No, I don't. I mean, there's no nowhere near that. I'd, I'd like to be able... You know, maybe next year, maybe the year, it'd be nice to run your track race, which happens next weekend, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But the, I think the for my age group, the world record, which is a chorus world record, is 12, 12.20, mm -hmm. which is, um, I think, is with the right sort of training, is it's it's not uh, not out of the question. The, you know, it's possible, yeah? Well, I think it? it's possible because in 12 hours at Steenberg, and what did you run, 150 plus kilometers? Yeah, 154. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, that so, would have been way under 13 hours for, um, yeah. for 100 miles. So, yeah, you'll have to... Um, it's all about timing with our track race. I'm trying to put it in the calendar next year at a point where it doesn't clash with, uh, you know, 100K, it doesn't clash with Spartathlon, it doesn't clash with the World 24s. And trying to find a place in the calendar that's going to give the most applicable athletes a chance of really going for it. Um, yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Really yeah. tricky. What, what are you thinking? What time well, of year? Well, it's September this year. Obviously, it's next weekend. But next yeah. year, I mean, I'm thinking it either needs to be April, May, or again December. well the thing is you can't have it too cold you can't have it too hot mm -hmm. um that wipes out a lot of the year because you've got to have the optimum conditions or the biggest chance for optimum conditions and then you, like i say you just don't want to clash with too many other events but the reality is something as arduous as that if you're going to do it you're going to focus your whole year oh. on it and then yeah. um so yeah. yeah, um, we've that, got. I mean, that, I've been watching that six days in the where uh, Zach uh, set the record. That six isn't it's in like that's in like an ice, was it like an ice hockey stadium or something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and there's a, there's a six day race going on at the moment, they're yeah. just over about they're about three and a half days in, and there's 
actually there's a couple of Americans who who are still on for maybe beating uh, Chorus's record in in the six day format, but I can't. <laughs> I can't get my head. That must be so weird that they're indoors for that for six days. They don't get to see the yeah. um, the light or the sunshine or um, for six whole days. It must be really odd. Yeah. Well, it must be odd, but then you've got the controlled temperature of the environment. I think it's the same at Bislett in Norway when twenty four hour indoor. You've got this consistent environment, right? So. The temperature fluctuation, wind conditions are non-existent. So if you can block out the fact that it must be like being in prison, um, yeah. it's actually good conditions. It's Andy Milroy, the um, IAU technical director and um, historian, statistician, he's been forwarding a load of stuff that's been coming out of the race um, about the splits. And it's interesting to see some of the approaches um, Johnny Hallenby, the Swedish runner, has this incredibly scientific and detailed plan and approach to trying to go after the world record. And it just jars completely with your approach of showing up and just running off feel and doing, uh-huh. you know, kind of a much more emotional experience as opposed to much more of a practical experience, I guess. Um and then yeah, you've got it's tricky, isn't it? I think you get two types of runners, don't you? I think it's, I think the runners uh, that you get, like this Johnny uh, lad from Sweden, um, it's it's ridiculous the detail he's gone into, isn't it? But I just think he knows how to uh, how to work Excel. It's as simple as that. I've got no idea how to do a spreadsheet. So if you can't work out a spreadsheet, there's no point planning anything, is there? So you might as well just go out there and. Uh, see what you can do but I've, I've noticed that he he must have dropped off his um i've been watching and he's he slowed right down so his his spreadsheet must be completely out the window by now yeah yeah i think um like mike tyson said is uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face it's fine to be on plan yeah. for a couple of days but then in a six-day race you know it's like to be a day three four five you're already a zombie and uh unless you can run off feel to an extent uh you know having the most rigid plan in the world is not going to work you've got to have a lot of flexibility with it i think um, yeah if you if your plan's too rigid when you start to come off plan then it just i think it it blows I, everything up it would just mess with your head yeah because you're like oh no you're like almost you're almost like swimming upstream you're like trying to get back onto your plan and yeah so but um yeah, interesting. It's Andy, isn't it, that sends all the uh, the updates to us, yeah? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and yeah. he's been instrumental at putting the 100-mile um, GB you know, all-time list together uh-huh. that we're just collating now. Um, he, had some, he has most of the records that, you know, details of records um, that we yeah. keep, so... Yeah, he's and been I'm, great. I might, well, next time I go for the, for the joggle, um, I, I might, well, like, ask... Andy to get like maybe to give me a little bit of help in 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 planning because he's he's so knowledgeable he seems to be so knowledgeable and he seems to be so like he he totally he totally gets it right whatever he calls he, he doesn't really he, does he, 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 he kind of works recently. just with numbers and not with uh, you know with people and personalities and and it, it inevitably he's always right isn't he yeah he is. <laughs> I don't want to go into too much detail here because it's not really public information. He might not want to share, but yeah, I mean, when, when you were doing your joggle attempt, it was him that I was writing to and he was giving us the data and the feedback. And with recent joggle attempts happening, he's been extremely uh, clear cut with how he sees things working out based off somebody's splits or performances or times and has called it 100% every time. You know, yeah. he's turned around and gone, this person simply is not going to go any further. Or they they stand a chance. I think realistically they could aim for this. And he nails it. It's yeah. just the weight of volume of stats that he's seen and has access to. Um, and he's been at a lot of very long races. You know, he's he's adjudicated on loads of multi-day you know, 24, 48, six-day six kind of races. Um, I'm trying to get into the track race next weekend just because I think it'd be great to have him around. Um, yeah. Just for his experience. Actually, we should mention Sharon Gator. That's happened since I think we last... We should. Uh, didn't she? Uh, she did. 
Yeah, she broke Mimi's record, yeah. She became, uh, again, the joggle, um, yeah, record holder, female record holder, running close to 12 days, I think it was, in the end. Yeah. Uh, she, to for me, to, to, to somebody to have the record, lose it, go back and regain a record that's that difficult, it, it's really mm-hmm. impressive. I kind of can't get my head around going again at that. Um, perhaps you can, but the idea of putting yourself through that and then having to go through it all again, knowing what came before is pretty horrific. <laughs> I yeah, don't but then sometimes it. the second time, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's easier. No, you know, what's, you know, what's coming. There's no surprises. Yeah. 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 You, you plan for those. You're almost ready for those, like the worst outcomes, especially like me, if you didn't finish. So, and it might, because you're ready for that, sometimes it might even be easier then because you're you just you've just planned for it in your mind, you know. So you've already hinted about it, but do you want to publicly say anything about having a go at juggle again? Yeah, I think I'm going to try again next next year. Yeah, maybe uh, like late spring next year, depending on how it fits in with what else is going on. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I can't def- wait. I, I, I think definitely. Wait. Actually, I'm trying to. I'm trying to uh, fly less um, mm-hmm. just from an environmental like standpoint. And so that means I will, yeah, inevitably I'll be running more races like in England or I don't know, in France in where I can get to without flying. So, uh, so yeah, it makes sense to give that, to give the joggle another go. Yeah. That's really uh, exciting. I think, uh, yeah, what we learned last time, both from a crewing side of things and from your point of view as a runner, has to put you in a better position coming back to have a go again. Uh, there was a huge amount learned, wasn't there? Um, yeah, and I think that the six-day race that I did uh, in May will really help with that kind of experience. Yeah, yeah, um, it's actually... it's. Uh, yeah, it preys on my mind more than anything else. I just, I really, uh, I think maybe I'll be like Zach, uh, Zach Bitter. I might just keep, I might just keep going until I, until I get, uh, I don't know, as close as I think I can get to it or, or, or beat it. Yeah, it's unfinished business for you though, and that's unusual because you, you're someone who tends to stay out and just grind it out no matter what the only time i can think that didn't happen was when we were at athens together and you stopped in a 48 hour because you had that blown up knee yeah um but otherwise no, I, think, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it i think i've just been really lucky man i don't think i've ever had to grind anything out i think we were we were saying that we were talking about it the other day i've never had to i've never death marched in uh, a yeah. race i think i've just been really lucky that's I unbelievable think, um, to me. I, I just, I don't know. You, you talked about earlier weight of volume. I think I've run maybe, yeah, 70, 80 ultras and quite a few long ones. At least half of those have been long, long ones. And I've death marched more than I've run, for sure. And you've never had to kind of death march a race out. I think that is phenomenal. That is. I don't know. Just lucky. Well, I, I think if I had to death march, I would. I wouldn't. I just like what's the. I, in my head, I'd be like, "This is a running race, and if I'm walking, <laughs> there's just no point." I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't. I, me personally, I can't think of anything worse than that. Yeah, that like getting to a point where you've got like 40 miles to go, and you're like walking the whole 40 miles. It would just. Uh, oh. You have to flip your mindset over when that happens. You know, that happened to me the first time really at um, Badwater where things went so wrong so early and I'd spent so much money and invested so much getting there. And effectively, yeah. I had to walk about 115 miles at the no, end. It just blows my 115 miles. Yeah. And it's a long way. And you have to just, you know, to, to be going at three miles an hour and just, you know, knowing how slowly they tick. But you've got to disassociate yourself from that. It's a completely different sport. It's so yeah. much easier to just go in and running a race. It really is. I'm not putting you down here. I'm just saying that for somebody who's going to walk out a 28-hour finish at the Ridgeway against, you know, Dan Lawson running it in 12, there's no doubt in my mind he's got the harder. Oh, uh, it's job. much, much harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always say the same with, with marathons. Like, those, the people who... um 
yeah, who, who are running or uh, run walking like six and a half hour marathons. That's a tough, that's a tough day out. You know, those people that are coming in at sub three, three hours, it's, it's so much easier. Yeah. Mm. So well, much easier. It's just a time on, it's a time on feet thing, isn't it? And you, is that bad water? You must have been out for two nights, yeah? Yep. It absolutely destroyed me, that race. And I, ha- I had a little hint of that, actually, on Sunday after Ridgeway. That emptiness, that almost um, hungover feeling from caloric deficit and um, from just emptying yourself in the heat and being so depleted for you know a long period of time. You just feel smashed, like from an energy yeah. perspective. Actually, yesterday... Wednesday, you know, so four days after the race felt pretty normal again. After ba- that bad war, I was ruined for months, absolutely months. Um, so it's just one of those okay, things. Actually, even after crewing in the Ridgeway, I felt I needed to like, have a proper rest on Monday. And Binky, my dog, oh, my God, she hasn't been wanting to go out for a walk for that like, three days. It was too much for her. She was up her, her 24-hour uh, stint of being awake. It's far too much for her. But uh, but then going back to that um, that feeling of feeling depleted that that's why if you're running a race and you start to feel depleted you can always like say to yourself well I'm only 20 miles away if I can just you know I, if I can even run a little bit faster then I get back quicker so I can you know I mean you you can stave off that that feeling that feeling of depletion but. Yeah, if you're if you're having to walk and it's just oh, it must just be so, it must just take so long and and to be in that state for, oh, I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely different. I mean, both are tough. You know, you're trying to work at the absolute limit of your physical capacity. Um, but you could argue some people who are trying to chase the cutoffs are doing the same thing. You know, effort wise, yeah. they may not be working that much. You know, more differently to you. You know, but yeah, it is. It I think it does take a different mindset, and um, you. I think it's easier to race at the front sometimes as well because you're in the race. Oh um, yeah, and there's people chasing you, yeah. and there's yeah, yeah there's there's almost a it's little a bit of distraction, right? Yeah, there's like an an excitement, a kind of yeah, not even not nervousness, but yeah, you're 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 racing, yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah, you're either trying to put time in in someone or you're trying to catch up with someone it does make it yeah it's a totally different uh ball game like mentally isn't it yeah if you're just if you're just walking three what three hour miles not three hour miles three miles an hour and there's no you're not trying to overtake anyone you're not trying to it just must be yeah fair fair play i think that shows a different level of of mental toughness yeah Mm. Right, it's UTMB weekend. Who's going to win UTMB? Who's going to win UTMB? Um, I don't know. Charlotte's out there at the moment. She messages me each day telling me who she's seen like out on the trails and uh, who's going to win. Um, I'd like, I'd like that that little Zach Zach Miller. Is that his name? Yeah. I'd like him to 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 for it to go well for him. You know what I mean? For him to go off hard and for him to like. Hang on in last. there. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I quite like him. Uh, he's such yeah. an impressive guy. I mean, I just... <laughs> the way he can bury himself is just unreal. Yeah. I just... I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I think Courtney's got to be the uh, favourite in the women's race, right? But... Yeah, she's... Yeah, fair, yeah. She's coming back from injury. And she's and racing know. that really close. I mean, she's at the 24-hour yeah. champs as well, isn't she? I mean, it's... Uh, what about Beth, Beth Pascal? Can she do it? Can she... I mean, yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen Beth or spoke to Beth, but I see pictures of her and she just looks... I don't know. You can tell when someone's in good shape, can't mm-hmm. you? And she just looks in like super shape at the moment, which which then makes you think that maybe she would, yeah, she'd be able to go um, higher than she did last year, her fourth place last year, yeah. And I think she can, she can like toe the line with with Courtney. She's um, she's she's good enough, yeah. Mm. That'd be amazing if she if she was to to win, yeah. 
There's some serious depth in competition there. I mean, on both the men's oh, and the women's side. Such fun, isn't it, to watch? I really like the. I like the. Um, I like watching the live. You know, the live feeds. Although those two chaps that do the English. What's his name? Randy. Randy Gaylord. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did he make that up? And uh, yesterday, they're such. They're so funny. They're so bad at it. Yesterday, they were. Um, I was watching the TDS and they were they were concentrating on the women's race. It was really quite tight for a while, the women's race. Yeah? And they were they were filming the French lady, Audrey, and she overtook she overtook this chap, you know, he, he was just in the in the men's race, obviously they all running together. And the two commentators were like, Oh, she's gone into first place, she's gone and they they thought she she'd overtook the first place woman or she just overtook some bloke and <laughs> it was just uh, it was just uh, there was that bit and then there was a brilliant bit when they have the they have the runners who the runners now like uh with cameras on don't they they so they jog with the with the yeah. leaders and they they yeah. run with the cameras on so you get the you get the film and the um <laughs> the tv stuff coming into the studio or whatever and one of the runners with a camera on he was running with kim Running with Kim Collison, who who withdrew actually, didn't he? Yeah, um, he did, uh, about halfway through, but he was running with Kim, and the runner with the camera on just completely stacked it down. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> you saw this, you know, this like this noise and this smash, and then and he must have dropped the camera because it, when it kind of like it all got blurred, and when it came back into focus, it was just kind of like the view of this chap's face with, with him lying on the ground. <laughs> it was just, uh, <laughs> I love it. I've got to say, their coverage is unbelievable. Oh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic, yeah. yeah it actually it makes... makes it a spectator sport, right? And it's what we've always hoped we'd be able to do is actually watch it as a sport, have people be able to yeah. follow. Um, they're the only people who really get it to this level, and it is impressive. The scale of the organisation is just mind-blowing. I'm yeah. thinking about how we're going to, you know, get anywhere near this level of coverage at a track event with eight runners in it next weekend. And mm-hmm. we're not going to get anywhere near what they're producing. If anyone needs to lead the way in that type of coverage, it has to be UTMB because they've got the, I don't know, they've the got resources. the sponsorship, they've got the money, they've got the, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, what are you, you going to be? You're just going to be Facebook facebook live for 24 hours oh no for 12 hours i don't know i think we just need to try to give people a a way of following it i know that a 100 mile track race for the first half at least is not going to be that interesting you know it doesn't tell you much about how the 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 second half is going to go but um and also it's not a big field so but it's it's kind of ideal for us because we've got that number of runners who we can really look after to the level we want to and try and cover it and it's almost like a test event without necessarily needing a test um so it's going to be excellent to you know i just as a fan of sport i just want to watch it i just want to See how yeah. I'm, and I'm they followed. nailed it at um, your desert solstice race last last year. The coverage there was was really good as well. Actually, it was um, really good. Yeah it, yeah, it was it was great to watch. And there's something about I know it sounds silly, but I'm 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 there's something about even just watching people go around the track for the for the first six hours or the first seven hours. It's just I I can spend yeah I can spend a whole day just having it on on the computer and just. And just glancing over and looking at it and seeing the splits, I find it like really interesting. And I, I think other people do as well. When you hear about like when you hear feedback from people on like races that we may have done, and and, and people do watch, don't they? Maybe they're just really bored at work, but uh, they they do watch, yeah. Especially like those trackers, you know. And I mean, I'm watching that six day race. I'm I'm checking out the. I'm looking at the live feed. I'm checking out the um, the mileage, you know, like every, every sort of 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, it's um, it's good. I enjoy it. It's good fun, yeah. That is six days in a dome in Alaska if uh, – I think it's Alaska. Is it Alaska? Six days I in a dome. Anyway, if you want to go and have a look at it, just go for six days in a dome. Um, yeah. yeah, we've covered a lot, um, mostly talking about ourselves. 
this week. So um, I don't so know what that's all about. We, but, we so. need to get another one out. Yeah, maybe we'll get a UGMB runner. Are we going to get the Browns on Sandra and Richard Brown? The yes, hopefully yes. The incredible ultra duo. Uh, yeah. Sandra recently ran her two hundredth hundred and broke a number of Vet seventy British records. Correct. Um, yeah. So we need her on because her approach is second to none and we can all learn something from oh, yeah, the attitude and the pacing strategy she takes into these long races. Uh, yeah, it would and how, pro- to run, how to run ultras on just tea and cheese as well, yeah. Superb combo. So yeah. that will do us, Dan, I reckon. Um, well, well done I hope again. you go well uh, at UTMR. Enjoy yourself out there. We'll do one maybe when you come back and um, hear all about how you you eclipsed the mountains and yeah. came off on top. Um, How I started to run up a yeah two thousand meter climb and lasted about two hundred meters. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking actually yesterday maybe I should crawl up them. Maybe that'd be a good way to go. Yeah. You should wear knee pads and do that, like that guy who pushed a Brussels sprout up Snowden with his nose. <laughs> you should do something similar. Um, yeah. yeah. Good. Big love to everybody right, out there. Let's... Sorry about the gaps since the last time. We, we, we can promise all we like to shrink those gaps between episodes, but we all yeah. know we can't deliver on it. We're so. busy men, aren't we? We're busy men. Yeah, yeah. man. All right. Until the next time. Right, man. Have a good day. See you, bud. Bye. See you later.